Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Mir, founder of Mirror Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. Tyler, this is a treat. Today we've got another guest. So less less you and me, more guests, which we always love. I know. We've got Joe Zanko, who is the president and CEO of Catalyst Bank. Uh, Joe... First off, thanks for coming. We were having like a really great discussion that I know is going to spill over into this. Uh, give us a little bit of your background. Tell us what you're up to at Catalyst. Well, Marcus, thank you guys for having me here, first of all. Yep. So uh, I grew up in St. Bernard Parish, if we're going to go that far back. Uh, <laughs> I'm an LSU alum. I start, I'm a CPA like you are. I started my career with Arthur Anderson, ultimately. It was a, one of the big six accounting firms back in the day. Yep. And Iberia Bank became a client of mine in 1998. And for four years, I did consulting work for Iberia Bank. Then in 2002, Iberia Bank's CEO asked me to move my family from St. Bernard Parish, which uh, was tough for mama, but, uh, but asked me to move my family to Lafayette. And based on my travels here, I really liked it. Something about this community spoke to me, and yeah. my wife trusted me, and we made the move back in 2002. I joined Iberia Bank. I would become okay. the principal accounting officer for that company. Principal accounting s- officer, okay. Principal accounting officer. Oh. My focus was CPA stuff. Uh, was there for six years on the payroll there, had a wonderful experience. I then got recruited by Home Bank to take Home Bank public in 2008. So joined Home Bank there, served for 12 years as CFO of that company, uh, wonderful people. And then just in the last three years, uh, St. Landry Homestead, which was the name of Catalyst Bank prior to me getting there, was looking for a CEO to help take them public. And I joined the bank three years ago. We completed our IPO in October of 2011. I'm sorry, 2021. Okay. And it's uh, all systems go at this point. Okay. Can I, can I just ask, I'm fascinated by the fact that like uh, banks have, I mean, it makes sense that they have accounting, but like what, what are... It's got to look different than 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 public no, accounting. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's different in the sense that one of the confusing things for us CPAs are is our loans are assets and our deposits yeah. are liabilities, right. and so that's flip flop from others. So that that's the big change. But each of the companies that I've been with, Iberia, Home Bank, and Catalyst, have all been public companies. So. Uh, those of you who are CPAs would know that the reporting thresholds right. for, for public companies are pretty significant. Yeah. Gotcha. So, okay. when, so when you got the when you got the position at, Cal, at Catalyst, you and I were kind of talking. We'd both kind of done new things at the same time. I started Mirror Group, not as close to uh, you know as a Catalyst Bank going public, but you know, yeah. right up there with it. But what <laughs> what was kind of when you went there? Was that the impetus to take them public, given your experience in doing that with Home Bank? Yeah, it was. And so, so you need, you know, if you're going to do this process, it's a pretty difficult process. It helps to have someone who's been through it before. Gotcha. And I'd actually gotten to know some of the board members of Catalyst over the years, just meeting them at conferences and things. And right. we felt we'd be a good match for one another. And, and uh, three years in, we still get along very well and, and all believe we're pulling in the same direction. Gotcha. So, okay, so you obviously you get there. And the goal is, hey, okay, Joe, we're bringing you in here. New direction, kind of a new everything. I mean, new rebranding, obviously. We want to go public. Now that that's done and the dust has settled, what's the focus now of Catalyst in terms of kind of helping small businesses? Like, what do you guys bring into the table and what's your focus in helping the community, especially small business owners? Yeah, so the, so the St. Landry Homestead, which has been around for 100 years, the focus of the company was always on single-family home mortgages, all righty? And they would keep them? They would keep them, yeah. Oh, wow. So so that was the focus of the company. 
Uh, unfortunately for us bankers, that business has gotten so much more competitive over the years. And so the profitability of that business has been down for some time in our industry. And so what we've done since I've been aboard is we have shifted the focus away from our growth being in home mortgages. We still do them. We love doing them. And in fact, I helped a friend out in a couple a couple of weeks ago get a home mortgage. Uh, but our focus is on serving small businesses. Right. At, at our core, we believe that jobs are key to improving our community. And so uh, our, uh, our mission is to be catalyst for economic growth in our community. And the way that we do that is we help local businesses grow because when they do, they, they create more jobs right. and they give more people an opportunity to better their lives. Yeah, so when you're saying that, I'm thinking about kind of how we operate in terms of what we do here in our firm, and which was, you know, I could kind of make it akin to people come, a lot of CPA firms do taxes and that's their product. And that's been heavily commoditized, you know, kind of sure. in, in the mortgage industry. And we think of taxes, I think it sounds like the way you think about a home loan for a small business owner. It's a, it's a small piece of the pie of helping you overall run it, you know, financially, but it's not our focus. Meaning we want to help the small business owner. And if we have, and if it needs a home mortgage and we can facilitate that, great. But really what we're trying to do is help. We want to be advocates for small business. Am I saying that we right? We want to help you grow your business. Okay. Again, when I look at all the social challenges we face in this country, I don't have the answers to all of them. But I do know that a job helps families right. enhance their lives. Yeah. And so if we've got a growing local economy where, where, where banks like us who are focused on this community are helping business owners grow, then that gives a whole lot more people a chance to, to better their lives. You know, listen, I come, I come from humble beginnings. Uh, I didn't need a handout. I needed a job. Right. And fortunately, uh, over the course of time, I was able to find the right places to be able to grow my career and take care of my family. We want to offer those same opportunities to others. Gotcha. Joe, how do you, how do banks or how does Catalyst Bank take that like mission and quantify it? And do you like is it is it become numbers quickly in the sense of like you're trying to inject so many million to loan out to small business owners is so much of that like do you guys allocate towards like equipment and assets versus like bridge loans for payroll like how does it how does it become tangible for business owners and what you guys are doing yeah so first of all when we completed our ipo it brought in an additional 50 million dollars of capital we already had 50 already so we we sit here today as from a publicly traded bank perspective the second highest capital asset capital assets ratio bank in the country so we have a boatload of capital to deploy uh, i don't look at it uh from the standpoint of numbers, we, we don't have a, you know, I look at it from the standpoint of stories, Okay, uh, stories of helping business owners grow. And uh, so there is a quantification to it, but man, I rather the qualitative big time. Yeah. You know? Is that scary for your board or for like, it seems like that would be the tension, right? Of like, no, we need to produce still. I mean, again, I'm a public company. We we put out. <laughs> we love earnings. your stories, Joe. But where's yeah, the, where's we, the pro bottom line? The rubber meets the road at the bottom line. So we have to produce, yeah. and so uh, I, I, stories are a lot more fun to tell. But if the stories aren't backed by numbers, <laughs> yeah, you don't get to tell stories anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, you're no, so, out of the storytelling. So, uh, yeah, so I say most of our audience as business owners could probably come a really compelling story about how bad they would need <laughs> right. capital. Right. What do y'all look for? Like, what is that? What What could you prepare a small business owner to like? You know, Marcus is always telling us to have like our finances, our finances in order, like be able to tell your financial story. Yeah. But like, at the end of the day, I mean, is that sincere? Like, 
you 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 hear their situation and their finances what what are the what information plays a role in- well it it starts with your background right if you have a high character background a person with a history of paying your debts in the past we believe you're more likely to pay them in the future uh if you have the opposite of that, mm-hmm. well, we're, we're going to be more skeptical. And right. so your past is very, very important. So we certainly look at credit scores right. and, and uh, how your business is doing. And, and, and having a plan is critical. Uh, you, you shouldn't just come to a bank and say, hey, listen, I need 800 grand because I want to uh, increase the size of my CPA practice. <laughs> right. I want to well, expand. Tell mm-hmm. me how you're going to do that. <laughs> right. And so uh, a business plan is very, very important. And, you know, Having an honorable past is important too. Not that we we help people who have messed up in the past. I mean, we listen. We we all deserve second and third chances, but certainly uh, we look to your background and how you've been behaving in the past to give us some sense for how you're likely to behave in the future. Mm. Yeah. Now, I know one of the things you and I we talk a lot about doing things differently and how Catalyst is is really trying to make their mark. And I think if I could sum it down for you, it's service, right? What is that? What does that look like? You, I know a lot of times you're comparing yourself. You're saying, hey, we're a local bank with local people who can help you. And it's a little different than something you're going to get at the big banks. What does that look like to a small business owner who's maybe thinking like, okay, yeah, I've been with a big bank. And I don't, I mean, they're just my bank. But like, what does that look like when they work with somebody local who can who can help them get things done probably a little more easily? Yeah, well, I'll give you a sense for what our new clients tell us. So okay. uh, we get our, our new clients from much larger banks, Okay. Uh, what they tell us is we're more responsive and we're more flexible. In the last couple of weeks, I've had a, uh, had a chance to help out a friend who was looking to expand his business, who he was working with one of the larger banks. You know, they, they have a box. Yeah. And he wasn't quite fitting in the box. And he's a great guy with a great background, a very successful business. Well, he finally reached out to us. And doggone it, we were able to get a deal done for him. Uh, save the money as well. You know, sometimes you perceive when you go to a smaller bank, you're going to spend more, and that's not necessarily the case. You you're talking about interest rate wise, absolutely, yeah, gotcha. and then fees and all of those good things. So right. we were able to help him out. Had another buddy of mine. He and his wife are very, very successful. They're transitioning to a new home. Uh, this the old one's not quite for sale yet. So there's you know there's there's things you have to work through. When he reached out to me, he was working with a bigger bank who he didn't quite fit into their product. Yeah, and he asked me, "Do you guys have a product?" And I'm like, "No, we don't." We create the solution with you, and we've been able to help him out, and he and his wife are uh, are going to be able to transition into a home that he and his family are really going to be able to enjoy. Nice. So it comes down to flexibility and responsiveness. Gotcha. All right. So I got it. We, if we're going to talk banking, got to talk. You've you've alluded to this a little bit, but just state of the industry. You know, when people people start thinking banks, nobody. Let's just say two years ago, mm-hmm. you put your money in a bank, you think it's. It's good as gold. It's safe. Sure. Yeah. You've and had, you know. Probably, I mean, even funny the way you said it, when you're thinking banking, like people probably weren't, weren't thinking, even thinking banking, banking right? <laughs> and now it's like in the past year, we've had like, I mean, business owners are, I mean, we've got crypto, we've got, you know, all this new bill pay software, all the, well, and, you and, know, and, and where I was going was bank, are, yeah, yeah, banking banks, failures. Yeah. You weren't even, banking was like the way you breathe. You just, you don't even think you just put, you, you get your, your 10 year old, he gets old enough. You say, open a bank account, right? It was mm-hmm. like, it's in our fabric and our DNA. And then recently, I mean, I'm a crypto component, proponent. We probably won't talk about that, but people even talk about being sovereign of their own money now, right? Mm-hmm. So we weren't thinking about banking in that way. It was just like, oh, you, that's what you do. Bank failures come along and now people start to go, oh, okay, maybe I need to think about this banking thing. What can you tell people when they start thinking, 
and they hadn't before about the safety of their money, about the safety of their money now, given this environment. Sure. So let, let's look back, first of all, to the Great Recession. That was you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, where a lot of banks failed. Yep. And uh, things have been pretty clean since then. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons is the economy has tended to move in the right direction during the course of that time period. And also capital requirements went up. So as we sit here today, mm-hmm. banks' capital positions are much stronger than they used to be during the course of that cycle. As you look to the three failures that we saw a few months ago, those were one-offs. One was heavy crypto investors. One uh, had a lot of IT startup business. So there was, those were one-offs. And so you know, the banker in me wants to tell you, oh, the failures are over. That said... We do anticipate in our industry a recession coming. Okay. And if a recession does indeed happen, that that typically increases the number of bad loans at banks. Yeah. And so that could lead to another cycle where we have some bank failures. I certainly wouldn't anticipate it would be in the numbers that you saw back during the Great Recession. Right. But I'd also be surprised if we don't see a little bit more of that as any sort of recession uh, hits. Yeah. You know, for you as an individual, especially those of us who are CPAs, Banks, even non-public banks, are required to publish their financial information every quarter. So you could get on the FDIC's website as soon as we're done with this podcast and find out your bank's capital position. So if you have any doubt, that's what I'd suggest you do. Can you explain, when you say capital position, for people like a layman's breakdown, what would that that exactly mean? What are we looking for? A higher number. (laughs) Yeah. So so let's, let's look at it simply. How much cash does the bank have to back up its investments. Okay. And so, you know, the its simple, investments being its loans. Yeah, capital divided by assets yeah. gives you a sense. You know, you so yeah. you, you'd like to see your bank, you know, near 10% or above. We're we're through the roof where we are right now right. In, a, in a great way. But uh but that's what you should look to. Across our state, banks are pretty healthy. There are one or two or three or four that when you look at that capital assets ratio, uh, they're thinner than I would want them to be. And as I mean, not to get too much in the granular, but with the Silicon Valley Bank deal, that was they were exposed pretty long on some on some old, some bonds with a long maturity, right? That's right. So we, yeah, they couldn't about, get the cash. They had to recognize losses. When you think about our government's reaction to COVID, whether you agree with it or not, yeah. our government pumped a whole lot of money into the U.S. system. Right. That money ended up on bank balance sheets. That particular bank chose to take those funds and invest them in very long-term investments. Which they thought were probably the safest place to put them. They thought they were pretty safe, unless interest rates rise (laughs) rapidly. And the the value of those bonds went down significantly. Their client base was a lot of... you know, high net worth tech type startup companies, that sort of thing. And so once there was any hint of a problem with the value of their investment securities, a run on the bank happened. And just like that, we had the largest bank failure in U.S. history. Crazy. Wow. And bank is funny. You say we even still use the old terms, right? Run on the. I mean, it, it, that is the term. But, you well, know what, what was different about this run? It was clicks, right? Is this is the first time it was clicks, and you didn't have to stand in line yeah. outside a branch. Yes, yeah, so you think back to the financial crisis. Right. Mobile banking and things like that weren't as popular, yeah. and so that run happened without anybody having to go through a bank door. Yeah, I'm thinking of like it's a wonderful life. Always watch that Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's like the early 1900s. At least that's what it's set in. And you think of the guys outside. And they, you know, they're shutting the window. We can't take any more. But like now, it's a bunch of guys in their office, that's right, on the computer or their app, going, "Ooh, get a couple dollars out," you know, absolutely. And that really, you know, kind of speeds up the process. Um, so what what can you do? What can you do if if if, if you're thinking, okay, so I, obviously I, th- I think I know what you're going to say. Be with a bank that's well capitalized. 
First thing. I actually have a, okay. maybe this might be a dumb question, but like, um, I mean, even, even when the, that run on that bank for, for, if you're thinking of your business checking, personal checking, I mean, the FDIC covers up to what, like 250. 250. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that was covered up to 250, right? Correct. Yeah. So even when it ran, I mean, I guess I'm just I think saying. they even backed it further. But if you have 4 million, the 250 right. doesn't feel I'm that just, good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, now keep in mind. But I'm just saying for the average person, like correct. how much do we, how no, much? If you've got under 250, then you shouldn't lose any sleep at night. And keep in mind, again, whether you agree with the government's right. policies or not. That notwithstanding. We essentially, you know, we, I'm saying we, the bank insurance fund is going to make everybody whole that, that should have lost money in Silicon Valley Bank. Now, mm-hmm. What our government came out and said in the days that followed is, this is not going to fall on taxpayers. How? Come on. (laughs) It ultimately all does trickle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we will all pay for the failures of those banks. Yeah. So I guess the number one step would be in that regard, kill the point, be at a bank that's solid financially, capitalize well. Yeah. You should know. Yeah. And again, the information's available. Yeah. It's just we're not trained to think about that. We're trained to think banking is just what you do. That's right. One of the things I try to encourage people, so so deposits are a big deal in our industry right now. You know, we saw all the COVID money pour in and now it's pouring out. We see rates going up and things like that. So all of us banks are fighting for deposits. And what I try to encourage people is as it relates to your deposits specifically, find a local bank to put your deposits in. Because when you when you deposit money in our bank, not just ours, but any of the local banks, that money's staying in our community. Yeah. Deposit with the large out-of-state mega banks, and you know they're going to do what you, they should do. Is they're going to invest it where they see the highest return. And yeah. so uh, people don't understand the importance of uh, kind of the economic cycle and keeping their deposits here because that is a bank's fuel. Uh, how, the, how a bank can catalyze growth in a community is we've got to have the deposits to be able to loan out and help people right. buy homes or expand their businesses. Right. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you about technology. That's my. Sure. We love yeah. talking about that. Where kind of are you guys, or what at least what do you, when you think, like when I think about, we, we've we ranted on banking before, and I, I warned you before we came on. Sure. Um, we've ranted on banks and technology or lack thereof, and, and I guess where's Catalyst headed as far as making making those strides? I think you and you even talked about that already in kind of in place, but to make it something what I call frictionless. And I think that's what everybody's looking for. When you think about technology, you think Amazon. Why do they, they make it easy to buy? Click, shipping's already done. I mean, it's done. Where's Catalyst in terms of thinking along those lines going on the technology front? So I think you know, our strategy is to be branch-like, technology-heavy. Gotcha. And so when you look at our consumer offerings today, when I left my prior banks and went to Catalyst Bank, I didn't take a step down in technology at all. If you're one of our mobile banking customers on the consumer side, you can deposit your checks You know, with taking a picture of them. You can transfer money, all of that good stuff. On the business side, we have a great internet solution we're not where we want to be from a mobile banking standpoint, from a business standpoint. Right. So we've actually made the decision to do a pretty significant business uh, systems upgrade in the coming months to make sure that we are right where uh, when we're able to finally talk someone into moving from one of the mega banks, I've got to give them a great technology platform right. to land on. So that's our focus. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I will tell you, it's again used to not, you know ten years ago, a bank is a bank is a bank, right? Now. I mean, I, I'm always talking to my banking buddies about, hey, man, like this is what I'm seeing and other people, you guys should be doing this. I, I don't think, maybe not you, but other people, you don't think it's as big of a deal. Of, but I'm telling you, 
If you're sitting in your office and you can't get something done with a couple clicks, even though you might have a wonderful service and the guy answers his cell phone, it's a differentiator. It's just a different mindset than 20, 30 years ago where the biggest differentiator for banking was the service of the people. And I, I like to think of the, the it going where as technology can do the heavy lifting, people can support with great service. You know, that's kind of how I think about that's it. Right. And then that, that's the way it goes right now yeah. for your deposits. <laughs> but as it relates to loans, yeah. again, yeah. When, you, when, you, when you're coming to a bank asking for 400 grand, right. relationship can be incredibly important. And yeah, having a banker where, yeah. that knows you and is willing to work with you and, and, and help, help you with some flexibility when you need it, that can be tremendously helpful. Yeah. Yeah. How much, uh, how much influence do you have over the technology? Like in, I mean, it sounds like y'all are buying technology or y'all are buying software packages. I mean, how much influence do you even get over what features and, and yeah. So my influence is how high on the tiers we want to go okay. so is what our specific offerings are going to be. A bank our size, quite frankly, a bank that's even much larger than us. We buy products that are sold by technology companies and mm-hmm. they help us deliver those sorts of solutions. So everything's available to us. It just depends on how far we're willing to go. The good news for a bank our size is the technology cost has come down considerably. So we can end up affording the types of things many of these mega banks offer yeah. as well. Yeah, I was curious been, about yeah. that too, because like I know that's been like that's a broad brush that all technology's gotten cheaper and like that's a lot of what we talk about is like things that were available to enterprise or you had to have custom software developers can now be done on an app that you either pay nothing or right. a, a nominal fee. I was curious if like that's where you know, if if we're at a place where five years from now all this banking technology is just just standard, you know, this is what this is what it is, and it's you don't even have to be making these big leaps in investments. Is yeah. that making sense? Like, I was just curious where, what you know, is I didn't get the impression that you guys had like a team of developers. Yeah. that are like crafting all this software for your bank We don't. We're typically buying stuff that's tried and true tested mm-hmm. from a technology vendor with, yeah. with uh, strong reputations in the industry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I was, you know, I keep thinking like we're in this shift, right? I'm following a lot of what's going on with AI and all the trends and stuff. And it's like, it's still coming back to, to your point earlier about, look, I'm the biggest proponent about technology doing the heavy lifting, the mundane tasks, the data pushing you know, we had already talked about like if I've already given you my data, I shouldn't have to fill out another loan application, which I've done a million times at banks. I'm thinking, we well, already, you know, like so. All that said, where with even with where everything's going with technology and AI, the human element is. And I'm reading, and I agree with it. Is it's going to be more important? You want to be able to self serve with technology, but at the beck and call, if you've got Jude on your team, if I can be like, look, I've got everything done, but Jude, man, I'm not sure this is working properly. Or can you guys finagle this deal? Man, I think that's a really like a sweet spot of like, I've got the technology to get the, the basics done and to not bother you guys. But man, when I need somebody, I've got a human on the other end of that. I guess is that kind of. Yeah, you, 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 I had lunch with a buddy of mine earlier this week, and he is a client of a much larger organization that used to be based here, but is no longer. He had a check fraud in his account almost a year ago now. And his banker, who, I'm, who I know well, he's a good, good guy. Uh, because the bank has gotten so large, the banker just no longer has the ability to move the needle. So the guy's been fighting with this bank for darn near a year yeah. over a check fraud. 
And he, he's, he reached out to me because he's, he, he's going to move to us because he's just so tired of not being able to get answers. Yeah. And so uh, you know, th- that's what we hear so often is, is that when I'm doing my pitch on uh, you know, being more flexible and responsible, uh, the person I'm pitching will typically stop me and give me an example of how their large bank has treated them that right, way. Right, um, All right, real quick, check fraud. Yeah, being check. A, it's, see, it's on the rise. What can you do? And I mean, so, I know what I say, yeah. but when you and I were talking before the podcast, I'm, like, I'm going to ask you about this because yeah. I'm telling my clients, and I've told them ad nauseum, get, stop writing checks. I've had multiple clients with check fraud. They had the fight with, ultimately got their money back. I said, move to, we talk about bill payment software. We love it because it integrates with the accounting software. It automates a lot. But what are you telling people about checks and how to move money and pay your vendors? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about fraud for a second. So, you know, the criminals are, they don't sleep. And <laughs> right. uh, they, they were on debit card fraud for a long time. And they were hitting uh, consumers in our industry pretty significantly. Well, we've gotten better at managing that. People, people with debit cards are doing a better job of controlling them. Uh, banking software has gotten more sophisticated to recognize transactions that don't quite look like you might have been doing that. So debit right. card fraud is actually going down some. But the criminals like to get paid. And so they have shifted a lot of their focus to check fraud. Okay. And so what we encourage folks to do is the fewer checks you can write, the better. Because what these guys do is that if they get a hold of one of your checks, they simply recreate it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got major problems on your hands. It's it's a it's a big deal for our clients and it's a big deal for the banking industry. So I would inc- I, 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 you and I speak from the same voice there. Yeah. Uh, but we, we tell folks to write fewer checks, do more electronic payments. And is, is you guys obviously are facilitating that if you're a business customer or catalyst in terms of paying your vendors? Certainly, we'd much prefer you ACH. Yeah, gotcha. and we try to make it as easy for you as possible. Gotcha. All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Listen, thank you. I'm almost going to replay this to a couple yeah. of clients. I'm yeah. say, okay, if you don't listen to me, yeah. listen to a bank CEO, sure. please. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to tell you, quit writing checks. I can't tell you. I can't. You can't get your check stolen out of the post office box another time for me to have to tell you this again. Sure. Right. You know? Um, so anyway. Yeah. What else do we need to hear? We were talking a little before the we hit record. Like, you know, Marcus and I tend to be like full throttle with technology. Like, can you, is there a way you might sober us up a little bit (laughs) or like caution us? What do we need to hear about what you guys are trying to protect, uh, you know, with technology and, and what, why there might be some good speed bumps in terms of, you know, putting all your stuff online. You know, I, I can, you understand what I'm at? Like what you were talking Absolutely. about some things that just some caution that you guys take as a bank. And yeah, so, 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 listen, there are these services out there that are getting increasingly popular. I won't mention any by name, but where you can basically put your entire financial life there. You can put your catalyst bank accounts there. You can put your, you know, your XYZ company, X, investment funds, and you go to this website and you give them your user ID and password, and they can aggregate all that information for you. So you can just, this one-stop shop of seeing all your stuff. That sounds great mm-hmm. until they get hacked. And so, you know, I, I don't do that personally because I'm fearful of that, those right. parties that perhaps don't hold themselves to the same technology uh, protections that we hold ourselves. Right. 
uh, I, I look, you know, if if you must use those sorts of services, I would certainly look to the ones that have dual factor authentication that whenever there's a login, you know, you, you, your phone gets a text message, things like that to make sure that you're adequately protected, yeah, right? To the degree, I mean, we don't mind naming names here, but because uh, <laughs> like, I'm thinking like we're on one of those. I think it's called like Monarch or maybe like I used to be on like Mint.com. Right. Is that that kind of aggregate you're talking that, about? That's the type of aggregate. Those are the types. Okay. Yeah. But... Yeah, they use a service like even Zero uses a service like Plaid. Plaid, Plaid, yeah. Plaid is a um, like a third party that's kind of creates this read only environment. Mm-hmm. So like you you log into your bank, but you're logging into Plaid, and you're and giving them the credentials. Yeah, but then yeah. Plaid is the one that aggregates all that information. So I guess. Yeah, I guess we might need to look into it a little bit more. I mean, at least I think the takeaway here is just use some common sense. Mm-hmm. Start thinking about when you give people passwords. Okay, because like you and I would probably take it a little step further, like be like, okay, I did that, but what are the safeguards, which you mentioned, which is multi factor, mm-hmm. all kinds of other then Because I mean, you don't want a single point of failure, right? I don't want just mm-hmm. the password to be what gets you in. But, to, but I think if nothing else, people, like you said, we tend to be pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Just be wise, just be mm-hmm. thinking. Did I give an aggregator 10 financial accounts and maybe nine of them have multi-factor and one doesn't? And I think that's the takeaway yeah. here is just and to do be. do they all have the same password too? Well, that's a, that's a yeah. whole different story yeah. about best practices uh, with know, IT. One of the other things that, that really is impacting individuals, and unfortunately the crooks are targeting our senior citizens mostly. Yeah. Uh, my mom's 73, and despite the fact that I've given her the speech a thousand times of mom, if you, if you don't know who texted you or called or... You know, or, or you know, you weren't expecting the email. Just assume it's a fraud and delete it. Delete it and move on. Yeah. yeah. If it was, if it ends up being legit, they'll find you. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of people are getting hammered that way. The uh, the level of sophistication in those emails they they look really really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're not in my contact list, I'm not answering your call or responding <laughs> to your text. And I think that that unfortunately has to be the rule. Right. In today's world. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else we need to know? Like, I want to. I was curious about, um, you know, what what banking relationships do look like, and and that's we talked about how like that is the differentiator for you guys—the responsibility, the flexibility. Um, I mean, is it just? I mean, you guys text, email, phone call. What what does it look like? Are you still walking to a branch, or how's that? How's that look? What? It what is expectations tra- do you yeah. set for clients? It's transitioning more and more to we go to you. But we still have clients who love to, to come by the office and chat. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, listen, it's email and phone. Quite frankly, if I, if I didn't work for a bank, I don't know how many times I'd go into a branch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, you know, something like for a smaller bank for, like us, uh, the number of ATMs used to be an impediment. It's not anymore. Because you can get $40 at Walgreens now. And so something that used to be a hurdle for somebody banking with us, like us not having as many ATMs as oh, the Chase's, yeah, is not the impediment it used to be. Yeah, and who ne- I would even it, ask for an ATM. I'm not, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, but listen, <laughs> every once in a while it happens, though. 20 yeah. years ago, that would have been a key driver in your yeah. decision making. It's yeah. just the, the world has changed. Technology continues to evolve. Right. Uh, quite frankly, you probably don't use a lot of cash any longer right. either. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. I'm, it's rare that... I, I go to the ATM about as often as I have to send a letter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's probably a good place to end it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe, if people want to get in touch with you, 
find out more about Catalyst, learn about what you guys are up to, what's the best way to do that? Man, call me. Call you. 594-5009. We'd love to talk. That's how we build relationships. 337-337. 337-594-5009. That's my direct line. Uh, we love building relationships, especially with small business owners yeah. in our area. We also, we, we've got a great website, catalystbank.com, but you're going to see the same things right. on our site that you see on any other bank site. Right. We'd prefer to reach out and, uh, and, 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 and build a relationship. But right? if you text him and ask him for money, he'll probably think it's fraud. Correct. So you're not, you know, if you're not in his contact list, yeah. just know he's <laughs> not returning that leave email or text. Yeah, just, leave just, a voicemail saying, saying I you know like Marcus, with him, and you know. if Marcus texts me for money, yeah. <laughs> He's going to have to come in and visit the branch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dustin. Yeah, thanks, man. This has been great. Yep. Thank you, guys. All right.